0: baseball playoffs are back too man it's going to be an exciting postseason for sure welcome back to the big program kevin carey sports 1440 as we welcome in dan hayes from the athletic in minnesota covering the twins uh dan welcome to sports 1440 how are you this morning
1: i'm good kevin thanks for having me on then
0: well thanks for coming on so uh as everyone is jacked about this series starting uh, down there as we are up here i mean uh this is a good matchup it's going to be a great series I, I think
1: it absolutely is, and I'll, I'll give you one extra thing. I, I'm sure you've heard about the uh, Twins' 18-game uh, postseason losing <laughs> streak. Uh, somewhere around 19, uh, maybe it's not 19 years old yet. It's going to turn 19 this week, I believe. Um, it's not the Yankees that are playing here. It's not the the Astros, teams that have uh, given the Twins trauma in the past in the postseason, and I think that'll help a little bit more the Blue Jays are tough. This is going to be a great matchup. I mean, this is a really even matchup. Um, the uh, the bookmakers even uh, have it dead even for game one. I think both teams are, you know, just barely favorites, which is odd for, you know, obviously usually you have a favorite and an underdog, but I've seen pretty much even lines right now. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I think for Twins fans, if they had had to face Houston again uh, after 2020, you know, that was that series was actually over that wild card series because of the early time slot. It was actually over before the Dodgers had their first pitch in their series uh, on Wednesday night. And the twins just they have all this trauma from 19 years of, of postseason losing. And the Blue Jays aren't part of that yet. You know, I mean, it, it, it'll be a tough match. Kevin Gosman in game one is going to be an impossibly hard matchup for them. Um, and yet, because he doesn't wear Yankee pinstripes and, or an Astros jersey, I, I have a feeling fans are not going into this quite as tense as they might be uh, otherwise.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Hayes from The Athletic in Minnesota is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Uh, Dan, how have the Twins been able to kind of set up their rotation uh, for this series moving forward?
1: Yeah, they, they had a really nice. Easy run. Um, unlike the Jays, you know the AL East is such a beast. Uh, when when your bottom two teams are are as good as the Yankees and the Red Sox are, um, you know the Twins basically clinched this uh, a week and a half ago, and and really they knew they, they beat Cleveland um, handily at the start of September, late August, and and really put the division out of reach. Um, in fact, you know Detroit bypassed Cleveland at the end. I think Cleveland finished 11 back of the Twins. And, um, they were able to kind of waltz in. I mean, this is a team that Carlos Correa and Royce Lewis both ended the season on the IL and they played great baseball anyways. And it's because they had a really easy schedule at the end. They had a huge lead. So they rested up and they did a really good job. Um, you know, they, they had a little bit of a challenge because they were in Denver over the weekend, and Coors Field is not an easy place to pitch. And they really wanted to set up their bullpen and avoid guys. And they had some kind of, they, they had to rely on Dallas Keuchel, who injured his calf in the first batter of the start on Saturday night. And they really didn't want to use any other relievers. And he went two and a third to get through the end of the game, but it saved the entire bullpen. Everybody's going to be extremely fresh. They were able to. You know, convert some starters into relievers for this month, and they think they're in a, a good spot because they really did have it easy. And they, they they played their best ball of the season in September too. So, um, the Twins are in about as good of a place. They're going to get Royce Lewis and Carlos Correa back um, off the IL, and and they'll be in the starting lineup tomorrow. They're in about as good of a place as they can be um, going into this series
0: yeah for sure that's key Carlos Correa and Royce Lewis back for sure Uh, Dan Hayes from the Athletic is our guest on the Kevin Carey show 1440 Um, so how uh, like Pablo Lopez had a great season you know Sonny Gray had a really good season Uh, Joe Ryan a little hit and miss at times Uh, how would you kind of assess the twin staff starters as compared to who the Jays are going to be rolling out here
1: yeah, it, look, the first two games are about as evenly matched as you're going to find because I, I I imagine that the Jays will throw Yusei Kikuchi in game two because the Twins have had a tough time hitting left-handed pitching all season mm-hmm. long. Uh, obviously, Gosman's outstanding. The Twins got him in Toronto, but he got them in, in uh, at Target Field in May. Um, the Twins, or Pablo didn't pitch that great against the Jays the one time he saw them in May, but You know, I I think the twins really are in a good spot as far as they won't have a problem going with a quick hook because, you know, two of their guys in the bullpen um, are converted starters. And Chris Paddock is just back from Tommy John, but he's been conditioned to throw two three innings and he's thrown 95 to 98, which, you know, he previously had topped out around 95 and he still has a killer changeup to go with it. So they wouldn't have a problem bringing him in for two, three innings. The same goes for Louis Mm Varlin, who was a starter for the first half of the season. They moved him to the bullpen. Now he's throwing 100. His cutter's 91. Um, You know, hitters were having fairly good success against his cutter when he was a starter. Now they're hitting 118 against it. Um, He's looked electric. And when you pair those guys with Yohan Duran, Emilio Pagan, uh, I, I think the bullpen edge goes to the Twins mm-hmm. in this. I, the Jays have a really good pen. I like their pen a lot, but I think with the additions of Paddock and Garlin, the Twins have four guys right now that are throwing ninety, ninety-eight, and above. Um, and and then their their next ground group there is like there's three guys ninety-five mm-hmm. and ninety-seven. So they have a lot of power arms to bring in if the bull, if the uh, starting pitching doesn't go as well as they like. Um, I honestly think the bigger question for the Twins in this is the offense. That's always been their issue in the postseason. They've never, especially recently, they just haven't hit enough. The the Astros series was Nelson Cruz and nobody else. The Twins really need that offense to step up.
0: Uh, Any concern with the closer, Johan Duran? I mean,
1: he's had a little bit of hit and miss at the end, but he throws 103. He's got a great curveball. He likes the pressure situations. He was electric all year. Um, I I think he's you know going to be going in just as good as any closer in baseball Um, you know they're 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 feeling sound about him he he can get into a tight spot here or there but you know he's he's been lights out the last two years.
0: Dan Hayes from The Athletic uh, covering the Minnesota Twins is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Um, Dan what Kind of a jolt did Edward Julian give uh, the Twins? The Canadian, well, of course, we all watched him at the uh, at the World Baseball. Uh, but man, this is a guy that's kind of he paid his dues for sure, and he's taken that spot at the top of the lineup for for Minnesota and run with it. Uh, what have you seen from the Canadian Edward Julian?
1: I mean, he's been outstanding. He's been everything, and and I'll I'll throw in Royce Lewis and Matt Wallner, the three of those rookies. Really turn this team around, but Julian, his his patience is unbelievable. You know, he has a veteran's eye as a rookie. Uh, he knows his strike zone so well. But um, what he really does well is hit the power, hit with power to both fields. And you know, I think that's something that makes him so dangerous. They have to actually kind of goad him into being more aggressive at mm-hmm. times because his eye is so good. But he's so dangerous, and we we've seen it all year. I mean, makes his debut at Yankee Stadium. Doubles off the wall with his first at bat, homers the next time up. Um, and he's been that way all year. You know, he had a little down spell at one point, but since he returned, um, he's been electric. And, and look, this was a team that at the All Star break, before these three rookies, and, and Royce Lewis had four Grand Slams in a matter of 26 games. Um, he missed 100 games. And he ended up with 14 homers and 50 RBIs, mm-hmm. and and you know you, he's just sort of this this energy. The two of them together, with Walner hitting 465 foot homers, this this group has really changed things because going into the All Star break, the Twins were 24th in baseball and runs scored. You know they set an all time record for strikeouts this year. Uh, they ended up 10th in the majors in runs scored. They they scored 378 runs in their last 71 games after scoring 380 in their first 91 games. And it's all because these rookies brought the energy. And, and Julian certainly is at the top of it. Uh, the thing I think was most impressive about him is this is a guy that they didn't even know two years ago if he could yeah. have a position. He was looking like DH for life. And I'm not going to pretend like he's more than an average second baseman right now at best. But even when he arrived earlier this year, his defense was not great. Um, And he's worked tirelessly with their infield coach, Tony Diaz, and their bench coach, Chase Tingler, to improve. And you can just see a difference in the way he handles the position. Mm -hmm. Um, Even the play he made in the clincher to end the clincher on a slow chopper, he would not have come close to making in April. And he's really come a long way to making it look like he can be their second baseman for a long time.
0: Dan Hayes from The Athletic is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show, Sports 1440. Blue Jays and Minnesota Twins get things underway tomorrow afternoon. It's a 2.38 first pitch, uh, Edmonton time. Um, when you were talking about uh, Walner and all the other guys in the outfield, but what have you seen from Max Kepler this year? To me, he kind of had a bit of a slow start that he's kind of come on uh, and, a, and a veteran leader. Uh, how does he fit in to what the, what the Twins need to have success uh, moving forward in this series against Toronto? Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, it's funny because his bat has been kind of just average the last couple of years. Really nothing stood out. His defense has always been electric. We're talking about one of the better defensive right fielders in baseball. Um, but this season, he started off slow. He came back from an injury too fast. He didn't have a, any warm-up, and you know, uh, he skipped the rehab assignment and, and really struggled, and, and this was like maybe late May, early June. he made a base running mistake in Tampa Bay that cost them a game. And Rocco Baldelli kind of let him have it and called him out. And Rocco's not a very big guy. He's only done that probably four or five times in the last couple of years. And before the last couple of years, he had never really done it. So for him to single out Max Kepler was a big deal. And Kepler, you know, he said at the time he was upset, but he understood it. And ever since then, he's got like a 900 OPS. Um, he's been outstanding. Mm-hmm. He's a product of the environment. He he needs to have good things going on around him. And, and he loves the energy of the rookies, loves that they're meshing with the veterans that they have. It's really been a good clubhouse. And I think Kepler uh, kind of exemplifies that because, you know, he's really bought in and you can see it. He's smiling more than ever. He's talkative more than ever. Um, going into you know the start of the season, the Twins were trying to trade him. They they were motivated to trade him. Nobody really paid the price that they wanted for him, so they held on to him. But there was no guarantee that anybody was going to. His ten million dollar option for next year was going to be picked up. Now um, there's no doubt his ten million dollar option will be picked up. The question is whether or not they'll keep him or trade him. But he's been outstanding. I mean you know a year ago you would have you had some veterans wondering if he even wanted to be there and maybe two weeks ago I asked Carlos Correa how or what he thought of uh, who the team MVP was and and he said Kepler and and mm-hmm. he was very serious about it and thought that Kepler had just been the most consistent and had big hits uh constant hard contact um, you know everywhere you look Kepler's involved right now and and he's another guy where you know he always has that discerning eye at the plate he's always a tough plate appearance no matter what but when he's hitting the way he is he's definitely much more of a weapon uh
0: dan hayes is our guest on sports 1440 uh dan you mentioned it right off the hop the 18 straight losses uh were 20 years i guess or i, I can't even remember who the the twins beat and they in the last time yeah. they were do you know who it is
1: yeah they they won a game against uh the a's and then the <laughs> a's came back and won three in a row um, and there were some crazy moments in that series, including – oh, wait, wait, was it the Yankees? Man, I can't <laughs> even old, it's remember. 20 it's 20 years, though, it is. isn't it? Yeah.
0: It's, it's Yeah, insane. you know what?
1: It was the Yankees. It hey. was the Yankees. And in the game that it started at all, they actually came back on Mar- Mariano Rivera. It was like only his third ever blown uh, save in the postseason. But they they didn't complete the comeback. They just tied it, and they lost in 12. They took the lead in the 12th inning of the game on a Torrey Hunter home run. <laughs> And Joe Nathan was still on the mound oh. after, and he ended up with uh, 53 pitches that night because they just had nobody in the bullpen at the time. So Joe Nathan out there running on fumes uh, blows the one-run lead in the 12th inning, and they lose 7-6. And ever since then, you know, 18 in a row, it's um, it's traumatic. But the the funny part is, is the Twins have been underdogs in 13 of 18 games there. Um, they 've always played the Yankees, especially when the Yankees were going good. It was like I think they played the Yankees in o nine they played the Yankees in ten, and some of the starters the twins were running out you know you wouldn 't start in your beer league softball game you know they're like they're, they're just that 's who the twins were back then. They were pitched to contact. This is a different rotation. this is a team that Um, set its all-time franchise record for single season strikeouts but I think as a team they ended up 17th or 18th Mm all-time in pitcher strikeouts so it's a much different group that can miss a lot of bats and backed by the bullpen they have they're so much better off and and should win at least a game here (laughs) whether or not they can advance we'll see but I expect the streak will end this week.
0: Well, I was just going to ask you, what? how do you see this uh, series shaking down starting tomorrow, Dan?
1: Yeah, it's really tricky. Um, and you mentioned Joe Ryan's been hit and miss, mm-hmm. and, and he really has. I would expect I, – I, I think it will go three games. Um, I would think that Joe Ryan has a, a very short leash um, in the finale. Um, and hopefully, you know, hopefully it's like one of – one of one game on Thursday. You know, last year there was only one game that went three. Um, the, the, I think three of the series were, were sweeps. But I, I suspect this will go three. And if it, if it ends up being the only game being played on Thursday, we'll get a night game out of it, which, you know, it'd be nice for the fans at Target Field to get a night game um, and have that atmosphere kind of mm-hmm. project out to the world because it's a pretty electric place when uh, when it's
2: night.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the Jays have their own... Uh uh skeleton in the closet with an eight nothing blown lead last year against seattle so i mean these are two teams yeah. with a lot of a lot of warts from uh from seasons past and playoffs past so uh dan thank you so much for your time enjoy this series I mean, it's uh, all the talk uh, up here we want to really look forward to a good series with uh, minnesota as far as the jays fans go so uh, enjoy covering it uh, thanks for coming on today
1: All right. Thanks for having me
0: again. All right. That's Dan Hayes from the Athletic uh, Jays and Minnesota tomorrow, 238 first pitch. Uh, Looking forward to it, man. And, and, Playoff baseball's the best when you can get games going on all day. It's just nonstop. It's going to be exciting uh, to see all those games for sure. When we come back, it's Norm time. Rod Peterson will check in from FLA. He's got a chair by the pool. We'll talk a little bit about George Reed. Uh, of course, Rod was the play-by-play man for the Saskatchewan Roughriders for two decades. We catch up with Norm right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Alright, welcome back to the big program uh, That is some fitting intro music For our next guest Rod Peterson in FLA The Rod Peterson Show Norm, how you doing big guy? You like that, your your intro music? Are you happy about that selection? I would love to see you dance to that That was the first thing I thought You've seen me do the dicky dance many times Haven't you?
2: <laughs> it doesn't look like what you would dance to Will Smith
0: <laughs> No, it's pretty bad uh pretty uh, bad stuff having said that you know i can i can cut it up pretty good when it comes to the country stuff no or what
2: i've i've seen it is the oil city lounge still open <laughs> please tell me it's still open
0: I, I don't think it is but uh i was thinking back to our calgary days where we would go to uh horse, horse. yes we went to a lot of the cowboy bars didn't we
2: <laughs> we owned the cowboy bars oh. What are you talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's a long time ago, isn't it? Late 80s, early I, 90s, man. Yeah, oh.
2: I, I like the music, and I liked it. By the way, I know we're going to talk about George Reed here, mm-hmm. but, Dick, I I made the mistake of turning on Miami Sports Radio here. There are three stations I choose from. So they're all talking about the Dolphins, and they're all crying. Wow. With the 48-20 beat down in Buffalo yesterday and how so-and-so's not a starter, so-and-so's not an NFL player. I'm like, guys, last week you were in carving, you were engraving your names on the Vince Lombardi trophy. So, the ups and downs of sports and media. Right? Wow.
0: And I mean, uh, let's just talk about the level of opponent from week to week here. I mean, little Buffalo Buffalo's a little bit different than uh, Denver, isn't it?
2: Uh, Well, absolutely. <laughs> oh. But this is a, this Miami team's fun to watch. Mm-hmm. They're A finesse team. And they tried it for a while. That was a track meet to start in Buffalo yesterday. And the Bills just brutalized them. Brutalized them. Hey, you know what? The one thing, Dick, is I'll say this. The Dolphins beat the Bills here in September last year and celebrated that pretty loud. But in the playoff time, the Bills won the one that mattered.
0: Exactly. So I don't think these
2: two teams are done with each other
0: yet. No, I don't think so. That'll be coming down to the wire uh, for sure in that division. Um, so you touched on it, uh, the passing of a, a legend uh, in Regina, in Saskatchewan, in Canada, for sure. Uh, George Reed, uh, yesterday, one day shy of his um, 84th birthday. So uh, as Rod Peterson gets with us from Florida. Uh, so Roddy, would, what would you say? I mean, you, you would have done a lot of things with George in your 20 years uh, doing play-by-play with the Riders. Uh, I mean, just what was that kind of like to, to talk to a legend of uh, 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 in this league for sure?
2: You know what? I appreciate the opportunity to talk about him because I guess people today are seeing the numbers, uh, the numbers he put up. He went into the Hall of Fame in 1979. He is interesting, Dick. You know, I'll, the best stories of George aren't from the stats book. Like, mm-hmm. he came to Canada in 1963 with his wife, Angie from Seattle because the CFL was paying more than the NFL at the time Mm -hmm. you want to talk about that for a second
0: yeah for sure a lot of guys did that (laughs) Johnny Bright here all these guys that came to Edmonton
2: yeah Ron Estay in Edmonton so number one I could talk about that for hours Yeah. so he did that and then he drove like his wife Angie they were together the whole time man they came in 1963 George tells the story drove from Seattle to Regina went right past Regina (laughs) stopped in Pilot Butte at a gas station. and said, sir, I'm looking for Regina. <laughs> the guy says, you passed it.
0: <laughs>
2: so that was one of George's stories. And then he showed up at Taylor Field. This was 1963. I mean, Taylor Field was a dump. Mm-hmm. By the time it closed in 2016, it wasn't much better in 1963. So uh, when George did arrive there with his wife, Angie, they walked into the locker room and George was like, You got to be kidding me. Mm -hmm. Well, he goes, it looked like a farmer built it, which a (laughs) farmer probably did. Um, You know, ashtrays on every locker. George is like, where am I? And then proceeded to just tear up the CFL record book and over the next 13 years retired as the CFL's all-time leading rusher. But he was just a a cool guy, right? So he ran the CFL Players Association until like 93, and then he worked for Molson for a while. And then he moved to Calgary, sold cars for a while. And then he came back 20-some years ago to be an ambassador at Casino Regina. And that's where I really got to know George because he would come down to practice every day, almost every day, at lunch just to watch the team. Mm-hmm. And we would sit and I would pick his brain on the riders and what he thought. He didn't hold back. He, <laughs> what did he care? You know, one thing about old people, they don't care what anybody mm-hmm. thinks. So he just let it fly. And uh, he could sniff out a phony. And uh, you know, I wrote it in my commentary today. It still runs on Sask Radio, Dick. Um, when Corey Sheets in 2013 tied George's record for most 100-yard rushing games in a season with mm-hmm. nine, I said to George, "How does it feel to see your record tied?" And he goes, "He did it in six. Uh, he did it in 18 games. I did it in 16. <laughs> so he wasn't afraid to." You know, stand up for his records and how the game changed, and just uh, just a, like a supremely cool
0: dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rod Peterson, our guest on Sports 1440. Hey, Normie, when you were saying about when he would come to practices and you guys would just kind of sit out and hang out, those are the best conversations when you're just sitting with a guy of that magnitude, uh, lending his expertise, his, his knowledge. Uh, what were those kind of conversations like for you?
2: Uh, just to sit there and just get to know the guy that's you know with these plaudits and these kudos that he's getting over the last 12 to 18 hours since the news broke of his passing I mean that people always going to talk about the stats and the numbers but he was just so much more than that and the other thing was you know and people are crying they're saying such a sad day and people are saying you know tears are running down my face as I read this no George is 83 and Dick Hughes are running back He's been broken down physically for 20 years. Life had become hard for George. Mm-hmm. So uh, with this, I thought, it's kind of a blessing, man. I mean, he came onto our TV show, but we had to help him up the stairs because he's had a hip surgery decades ago. This football took a toll on the man, right? That's, mm-hmm. that, and we're going to remember the iconic guy, number 34, that, the jersey being retired, but he's human. He, believe it or not, he is human. And it's no different for you when you go to went to Rexall and uh, Commonwealth and those Eskimo and Order great show up. It's the same type of thing. They're, they're people. Yeah. And George didn't want to have his ass kissed. He's not the kind of guy that wanted that. Mm-hmm. He just wanted to be treated like a normal dude. Didn't that say a lot about him?
0: Yeah, and that's the key. I mean, all the, all the stuff that he did away, like all the, the charities and things like that, oh. I mean, never-ending. Oh.
2: He was, I read this, I didn't know this, but I read this about him. He was one of the first celebrity ambassadors that uh, Special Olympics ever had. So, and and, and we're talking going back 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. So I said to him one time, why, what did you enjoy about that? And he goes, the athletes, obviously. But he goes, you remember one national championship for Special Olympics where uh, one of the athletes, George said, what are you What are you hoping to do in this race? And the kid goes, I want to win silver. And George goes, what? Why? He goes, well, I want a gold and a bronze already. So I need a silver. Like, George's thing was, how you know, who thinks like that? Yeah. He goes, just the honesty. You know, uh, so George wasn't just one of those guys. And there are many celebrities that just slap their name on a charity and never have anything to do with it. George was there, he was on the front lines for decades with Special Olympics. So, yeah, he told, he told those uh, <laughs> stories, too. So that's why I say, and then uh, his, my dad and him were in Wascana Rehab together uh, later on in life. So I would sit with them around the table, have coffee, and listen to those two mm-hmm. swap stories and talk about life. My God, if we could put a camera on that, yeah. you could sell it, Dick.
0: For sure. Uh, well, uh, Rod Peterson's our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, Rod, my mom was in town a couple of weeks ago. We had her on the show. put her I said, She came to the studio, and I just said, hey, put, this, uh, put the headset on, and you're going on right now. And, and I asked her who her favorite football player was, and she said George Reed.
2: Oh, yeah. Hey, there's a lot of people. Oh. A lot. Hey, I understand the outpouring of emotion because they feel that George Reed's the greatest rough rider of them all. Mm-hmm. To me, it's Ron Lancaster. And I never really got a lot of pushback on that when I said that. But I just know personally for a lot of people, your mom, John Lynch, like mm-hmm. basically, you know, friends, yeah. he's the Brian Hall of yeah. Saskatchewan, And his, his was always George Reed. Um, so there's, you, you understand there why the province is in mourning. Yeah. And the CFL too, because you don't, you do not replace guys like this. You just don't.
0: No. We had uh, Commissioner Randy Ambrosio on this morning as well. Uh, it was good to get his perspective, uh, you know, a guy that he said, you know, growing up in Winnipeg, he was, you know, obviously a Bombers fan growing up, but every time that George Reed and the Riders went to Winnipeg, you know, it was the George Reed show. It was the Ron Lancaster show, as you said. So, I mean, those those two guys, I mean, they got the statues of them, you know. Outside. I mean, what more do you need? What
2: more do you need? Yeah, exactly. So that's. Uh, again, I I guess I, I've had a lot of feelings on this when the news came down because I get that the Riders lost the icon, an icon and the CFL did too. But I just look at it as a human side and life hadn't become a lot of fun for George physically. But I'll also say this. He was a pack-a-day guy to the end. And given all those hits to the noggin mm-hmm. and guys suffering CTE I often wondered how did this George was as bright right to the end Kevin yeah. right to the end you know and I'm like who would have taken more hits than this guy George Reed mm-hmm. like uh, so he was old school but he was as tough as they oh. came <laughs> and there was actually I've never heard this a story like this before in football there was a game in Vancouver it might have been George's rookie year he got hit so hard that they had to come out, the trainers had to come out and attend to him on the field, and they sat him up, and they go, George, what's wrong? He goes, I'm blind, I can't <laughs> see. His helmet got turned sideways.
0: <laughs> oh. You know, I'm, all those guys have the best stories.
2: Oh, don't they? You know? Oh, yeah. I've, I well, obviously did a lot of sports dinners with him, and I yeah. heard the stories a million times, and they never, ever, ever got old. Just the way that he told them um, he was a great – I don't know, man, if it's our age or what, but mm-hmm. I just don't see the next generation of those icons coming up, man, in any sport. Because the players move around. Now, you got some there that have been there on the hockey team yeah. for a long time, but in football, they don't seem to stick around as long. I, can't, I just think it's cool when you look at George's um, career on the back of a football card mm-hmm. or these days look it up in Wikipedia – and it was 13 straight seasons with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yeah. That to me is just
0: cool. That You're exactly right. Because, and especially CFL with these one-year contracts and things like that, we don't see it anymore. And, I mean, NHL is getting less and less with, you know, players playing their whole career. It's going to happen. You're going to have the odd one like, you know, Sidney Crosby and things like that. But the the, the loyalty from organization to organization uh, just isn't there. Well, here here's one for you, Normie. I, I did a poll question, sort of. Who would you say the top Oilers are that have only played for the Oilers all time? Mm-hmm. The, the, there's one that comes to mind, and it's just a recent guy. And then and the only reason that he's on there is because he he was hurt, and that's Oscar Kleffbaum. Yeah. Okay. So that's where we're at with that. The other, the second guy that I came up with is, is Yaroslav Puzar. So oh, you know. Yeah, there just aren't many guys that have just played with one team. It's the way it is. Lee Fogelin? Well, he was in Buffalo and stuff like that, was right? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, you just uh, don't have the guys. How much time we got? We got like we got time we haven't even spent, Norm.
2: Okay. Okay. Well, I, okay, well a couple things. Yeah. Let me ask you, how's the how's the sports radio thing going? Just because I know I've done just about everything in the industry, and I know it's not easy. You made a big switch here, mm-hmm. not only career and job wise, but clock wise. <laughs> so, how's it it's going? How's it, you sound great, doing well, a great thanks. job. Thanks.
0: It's going great. I mean, we just to be honest with you, we we've, we've only been on the air a month, but it feels in a good way. Like this is show number twenty today. We've only been on the air for less than a month, but it feels in a good way that it feels like a lot longer and good our co-hosts have been unbelievable Uh, we've got lots of great comments this morning I'm going to get to later in the show about Ann Munzer she's on Mondays Grant Fears on Tuesdays Uh, unfortunately he can't make it in so our old buddy Bryn Griffiths is going to fill in tomorrow for Fearsy you know uh, David Schlemko and Laddie Schmid has been an absolute rock star um he he opened up. If you can find those uh, uh, on the podcast, Normie, he opened up about his alcohol and drug addiction. Right on. Uh, I didn't even know he was going to do it. He talked about it for forty minutes, and wow. it was almost cathartic for him. And people are calling in and saying, "Laddie, you made my day. You you helped me today." Things like that. So oh, uh, uh, that, I have to get a hold of
2: him. Yeah, yeah he, he's a do that. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's a, w- a massive weight off your chest when you do that. Believe me, it is. Yeah. As a guy that's eight years sober. Mm-hmm. So, and then here's another one. Yep. The other night I was sitting, that's why I asked how much time you have. Uh, I don't want to steal your no, you. No, no. But we were, we're, were sitting at the Panthers. Uh, who were they playing? Florida was playing Carolina Friday night, and I was sitting with Randy Moeller. Mm-hmm. Hey, Red Deer. Yep. And uh, the game wasn't on TV. As you know, he does Panthers. TV color yeah, and they weren't doing the game so we're sitting together in the press box and they showed up on the big screen congratulations Panthers assistant coach Jamie Compon for your induction into the north northern northwestern Ontario sports hall of fame (laughs) and Randy and I looked at each other like who the hell else could be in the northwestern Ontario sports hall of fame so I looked it up only a guy by the name of Jack Adams you might have heard of him and Lee Fogelin really and actually uh, quite a few so, you know, uh, yeah. And if you want to go, if you, by the way, ever want to stop in Thunder Bay, Dick, at the north at the Northwestern Ontario Sports Hall of Fame. They don't take admission charge. It's whatever you have in your pocket. Mm-hmm. That's what it says on the sign. So, yeah.
0: Are you in the Saskatchewan Sports Hall of Fame yet?
2: I am in the Saskatchewan Rural Sports
0: Hall of Fame. That's the one in um, Milestone.
2: It's an Indian Head, believe it or not.
0: How do you how do you uh, get in there? Who nominated you for that?
2: I think Scruffy. I think Mitchell Blair. (laughs) Basically, if you were from rural Saskatchewan and played any sports, you got in there.
0: Is Mitchell Blair in the hall there? He must be in too, then. Uh,
2: I think he is. Yeah, uh, anybody's in there. But you're from the big city of Melville, so So, that wouldn't qualify as rural, I don't think.
0: (laughs) Not sure. I'd like to, if I could get into that one and be in the same hall as you, Normie, that would be a big feather in my cap
2: an Indian head Saskatchewan it's not easy to get
0: in trust me I drive by there all the time (laughs) yeah Uh, okay a couple quick ones for you Uh, how do you think uh, the last few weeks the CFL season is going to shake down Uh, I think did we argue about who was going to be in the Grey Cup and maybe you said it could be BC Yeah.
2: yeah you said you yeah said winnipeg toronto mm-hmm. and you're just going to put your feet up and wait yes that's what you said right and uh, i'm thinking you're sleeping on the bc lions if you think that
0: you and know big game so, this week between the two.
2: Oh, that will probably decide who finishes first mm-hmm. so that's exciting uh obviously i'm keeping a pretty close eye on the rough riders and i look the world's got to collapse for them to not make the playoffs yeah and I'm, I just wonder why there's so much negativity there <laughs> and people talking about the coach and GM being fired, given they're in a playoff spot. Right. And listen, I love my Chris Jones, but at 0-9, they don't deserve to be in. To start 0-9, you don't deserve to be in. Calgary's not going to be in. So maybe the Riders catch lightning in a bottle like 1997 and go all the way to the Grey Cup. I mean, it it, it could happen, but they just don't seem to think that's going to happen in staff. So... BC's got something going. If it was a BC-Toronto Grey Cup, uh, that would be pretty exciting. But just some exciting games ahead, and I'm glad to see that Edmonton has at least made things interesting. Mm-hmm. And I guess they can't. Yeah, the crossover berth has been eliminated now, so they got to finish third. So it's too bad they couldn't get their act together and losing yeah. all those games early to the Riders. Yeah.
0: Hey, you. Well, another thing, Norman. We had Shane Peacock on the show earlier today. Remember him from the Hurricanes when you were doing games?
2: My Hurricane. Yeah.
0: He uh, He was a wonderful offensive defenseman.
2: He was an outstanding defenseman. Yeah, you're getting everybody on the air. People have to apply. Well, How
0: are you? Yeah, well, you know, we had Biz Nasty last week.
2: I saw that.
0: Everyone's trying weeks. to get him. We get him through David Schlemko, our co-host. So, I mean, our guests have been top-notch. There's no question. Hey,
2: listen, I had Biz on my show, obviously, because we got all the great stick, as you know. Yeah. Except you. I'll
0: come What's on anytime.
2: Well, now. But... Isn't Biz a great guy?
0: Well, he went on, like, he said, well, I got to start at 9.15, so we brought him in a little bit earlier. I thought he maybe had 10 minutes. We went for about a half an hour.
2: Yeah, he's he's a good guy. Yeah. Like, that's the one thing with the Babcock stuff. Mm-hmm. I've been friends with Babs for 30 years, going back to the Spokane days, yeah. maybe even the Moose Jaw days. But nobody ever going to say Babs is
0: a good guy. <laughs> not a lot, you, of, not a lot you know, of guys are in his corner so, right now.
2: No, wherever you fall on the, what he did as a coach or whatever, it's not a lot of people saying he's a great guy. Yeah. But Biz, he's a great guy. You yeah. may not like everything that he says and whatever, but he, he, he's a nice guy. And I think people need to know that because he took a lot of flack for uncovering this story too. Yeah, it, ain't, sure. it, it ain't easy, this business.
0: No. Hey, what high school games or uh, college games are you going to this week?
2: Uh... Nothing. I'm waiting. I try to limit it, Dick, to one game a week because there's so much going on.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I try to limit it. And uh, Saturday night, Tampa Bay's here for the uh, last preseason game for the, for the Panthers and Lightning. So you're going to that. So that, and I, I can't, but the high school team's on the road that my buddy coaches, so I'm going to try and take it easy. FAU was on a bye last week. So uh, the hockey game and the football game are the same night. Mm-hmm. I just there's a, just a lot of stuff going on
0: here. Well, I don't know how you fit it in. I mean, you're just an amazing person, I and mean, I just can't believe. You know, I always want to say, you know, congratulations on the uh, enormity of your success. It's just been Go amazing. On,
2: Hey, learn from you first day of college. I yeah. don't know where I'd be if you hadn't walked into that amphitheater that day. Probably a hell of a lot further ahead than I am. But...
0: <laughs> yeah, you'd be way further ahead. Normie, thanks, big guy. We'll do this again. I think you should come on a little more often. Keep it up. Keep it up, Dick. Thank you. <laughs> okay, buddy. See you later. That's Rod Peterson from The Rod Peterson Show. And man, yeah, we went to college together, Duke, in 1989. Or 90, 1990, maybe, 89. He was just a young kid coming out of Milestone, Saskatchewan. Had all, brought all his pa- newspaper clippings. They had his his picture in the paper in the Milestone paper. He, he brought all these things. We're going, what are you doing? What are you bringing this for? Uh, anyway, uh, we are back to wrap things up with the Duke of Delmore. Brandon Douglas we will talk a little maybe fantasy. We And a little Ryder Cup. We should probably touch on Ryder Cup. When we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440, stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, Duke, did you ever make it down to Electric Avenue back in the heyday in Calgary? It used to be wild uh, Electric Avenue.
3: No, no. no? The uh, it, Like I said, my trips to Calgary, or even going back to my, my younger years, were kind of few and far between. Uh, any family that I kind of had outside of the... Delburn area we're more on the <laughs> north side of the province up here in edmonton my mom's originally from hinton out huh. to the west uh, country here so yeah calgary was uh, more of a unique thing go down uh, maybe for stampede uh day down to go see the rodeo on the chucks and back in the day uh, my dad and grandpa would take the tractors down for the tractor pull and stuff so uh, outside of that no i wasn't uh, i wasn't a regular on the calgary scene Party or otherwise,
0: tractor pulls are kind of going out of style, aren't they? They, they used to be massive, weren't they? Like oh, big? oh,
3: yeah, like it, it used to be one of the marquee events ah. of the Calgary Stampede, and uh, we ended up not going. Even uh, I don't know if it is still an event at all if they have it there, but our our kind of quote unquote prize tractors are John Deere eight thirty, which is the high like the highest weight class for mm-hmm. antiques, um, and they stopped letting us come because like they just eliminated that weight class is the the biggest one. So that was disappointing, but there's still a, a staple at the uh, July 1st celebrations in Delburn every year, the <laughs> antique tractor pull. So if you're looking for your tractor pull fix, come on down. Glad to have you.
0: Oh, excellent. Uh, how about the guest uh, Jason gregory has got coming up today? I just, I just
3: saw that from Slats out on the Twitter line. Pretty cool.
0: So, uh, what, what, Henry Rogan, uh, Roland Gardner, unreal, uh, Slatter, go, Slats goes, Brad Slater goes, Rowan Gardner, you're going in. That was the line, right, in the, from the movie, and that was the rookie of the year.
3: Rookie of the year, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so how old is this guy now? I don't even, he's got to be 40 years old or something, 50. Would he be that old? I don't know. That, that
3: movie came out, what, in the late
0: 90s? Oh, well, we're going to have to, that's coming up 225 today on uh, Jason Greger's show on Sports 1440. You're going to have to figure out how, the guy's got to be 40 years old, No. We'll figure that out. Um, I wanted to get to a couple of texts and an email that uh, came in to me uh, about about an hour ago. Uh, and this is, I mean, uh, this is from Derek, and this came to my personal email, kevin at sports1440.ca. Uh, I can't get to all of this, uh, Derek, but man, uh, I think I got to owe you a beer after this. Uh, it says, uh, I'll start by saying, I love the new station, enjoying the show, uh, great job, all of you at 1440. I was listening to your program this morning, and I had to stop what I was doing to drop you a note, something I rarely do. And this is the first time I felt compelled to email a radio program, but you hit it out of the park today, and I wanted to let you know. I really enjoy Ann Munzer's weekly segments, and this morning she was on fire, once again talking about goal-setting planning and mindset. Her insights are invaluable. They should play her segments as part of school curriculums. Lorianne is a great communicator and I get a lot from her participation in the show. Great job. Then the following interview with Shane Peacock extended the theme of leadership and mindset and I think it was one of the best segments of radio I ever heard. Oh man. Uh, both guests' insight on life, dealing with adversity, achieving and recognizing success and remaining grounded made for some inspiring and motivating talk uh i would love to hear more from shane in the future and i'm excited to see what la brings moving forward all the best uh uh, derek in edmonton man that's uh that's a very nice email uh, so kind uh thank you for your kind words uh derek really appreciate it but again that gets back to what we're talking about um with lorraine and shane to the extent of coming in and kind of saying Uh, what type of people they are and what they had to get, what they had to, what they did to get where they are. Uh, It's a tough journey. Like, look at what Shane Peacock was talking about going to father Ethel Murray college in Notre Dame as a young boy at 14 years old, leaving Enoch Nation. tough. Like you could almost see, he kind of teared up a little bit when he was telling the story about his mom and dad leaving him, uh, dropping him off and kind of saying, well, we'll see you at Christmas or whatever. Uh, You know, a young kid to take that step and, and and for all of his experiences there to mold and shape him to becoming what he is as a man today. And now he's, he's relaying those experiences as what he learned to his kids and to his team, to his coaches, uh, his other coaches, his players on the team. So uh, exciting to hear all of uh, those stories. All right, Duke, what else we got cooking today? Uh, you guys are coming up at 11 o'clock Fantasy Frenzy with...
3: Former Ross Shep T-Bird.
0: Connor Halley. Uh, the T-Birds, I believe, this year are 0 and 4 They could use the former Ross Shep T-Bird. Or, as he says, once a T-Bird, always a T-Bird. That's, Is that his that's, line? That's yeah. his line, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, what do you got cooking for that? Uh, so we're going to be joined
3: by a uh, great guest from the Sporting News, um, his name is not in front of me. Oh, here we go. Okay. Uh, Vinny Liar. Uh, from the sporting news, <laughs> that's a
0: Vinny b- Liar. He tells the y- truth. Why? Why? E. R. Why?
3: E. R. He So we're the excited truth. to hear what he has to say about uh, uh, this past weekend, and maybe if you got some big decisions heading into the Monday night game, kind of hear his his insight on that. And mm-hmm. and then I think we all come Monday and Tuesdays. Um, we like to hear from our listeners, as we do every day, of course. But maybe about some mistakes you made setting your lineup. If <sighs> you had any bad beats, like for example, last night Patrick Mahomes um, doing what is the smart yes. football play, of course but not so good if maybe you were uh, on the Chiefs to cover the spread or if you had uh, him in fantasy cuz he didn't have a very good game fantasy wise overall right a couple interceptions and the Chiefs had uh, their hands full with the Jets Zach Wilson coming alive so uh, so things like that we want to hear from you and hear <laughs> hear how it impacted you if you had a narrow victory all that stuff
0: mm-hmm. I had the Jets in the father-in-law pool so mm. that was a massive play uh, for me. Norman Combine sends uh text one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Uh why are we worrying? According to Lorianne, everyone is going to be a McDavid, which was a kind of a, a good conversation we had with uh Laurie-Ann Munzer um, earlier in the day. Cody was wondering about uh how can you not mention Nugent Hopkins when talking about players that have only played with one team? Well we were not talking about Players that are on the current roster, like McDavid, Dreisaitl, uh Darnell Nurse, uh, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, things like that. So just players from yesteryear and in the past that would qualify for who are the greatest Oilers that have just played uh, for the Oilers, and the list is very short because uh, again, when we were talking with Rod Peterson, the loyalty to one team you're not seeing it, uh, you know, on a consistent basis like uh, other sports, maybe down, uh, you know, in years past, like George Reid with the Saskatchewan Roughriders, thirteen years. All in Saskatchewan, so. Um, The other uh, thing that caught me uh, with that that Chiefs game, you know, Pacheco, he looked like he is on the cusp of breaking out to be a top-tier running back and catching the ball as well. I think everyone, you know, when they drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire, everyone kind of thought he was going to be that guy. Um, They've had some guys come in and out of the the lineup but last night Pacheco looked like a top tier number one running back
3: yeah 100, 150 total all-purpose mm-hmm. yards uh, the touchdown of course and yeah he's great out of the backfield and when he gets the ball in that hands like he is a playmaker and there's a couple times like it looks like he's running downhill all the time can go through guys break tackles so mm-hmm. he's an exciting player and I think if once again if we link back to a fantasy perspective there's always the risk of maybe losing some uh, scores to the likes of Jarek McKinnon, who's been surprisingly involved uh, last night, not included in the first few weeks for the Chiefs, but and they're still giving edwards E'Laire reps out there. Uh, <laughs> three, three touches for twelve last night. I, like they just have a, they rotated around, but Pacheco doing everything he can to separate himself as be the definitive. 115 on the ground, an extra or another 43 mm-hmm. through the air on three receptions. Like he is a really good player, fun to watch.
0: We never touched a, a whole lot on the Ryder Cup, uh, but let's uh, give it a couple minutes here. Duke should Ricky Fowler have made Tommy Fleetwood make that putt for it was two feet eight inches is what they tracked it out at. Your thoughts on that? Yes, yes, yes. Got to make him make that putt.
3: This is where golf is so unique because, and the Ryder Cup especially, because obviously in a real tournament, you have to finish everything out. Mm -hmm. It's it's the rules, right? You're playing for so much uh, (laughs) money, uh, standings in the FedEx Cup, whatever. But the Ryder Cup is volunteer basis, Mm -hmm. and it is a much I don't want to say friendlier because the rivalries are deep and the and the pride in representing your continent um, is very prevalent. But like it's a gimme putt if you like when you outplay your Sunday game every day with uh, your your crew out at the ranch. Yeah, Murray McCourt,
0: McCourt takes five foot gimme. I was going to say, are you, are you
3: guys making everybody putt things out well, from uh, less like than two and a half? Feet? I
0: put everything, and those guys are they're between him and Piercy and Wiz, they're taking five foot, six foot gimme's.
3: And and the big thing for me in this discussion <laughs> is that the Americans were not going to win. Mm-hmm. Like, they shot themselves in the foot the first Earlier. morning, Earlier. the first day. It, at this point, it's like, why why do you want to be a, you know, for lack of a better term, a dickhead about it? Mm-hmm. Be like, oh, yeah, Tommy, I'm going to need to see you finish that one.
0: I think, to, to be honest with you, I'm not sure Ricky Fowler thought that that was to win the whole yeah. kit and caboodle. I think he might have been just going, well. Wow, this is just, you know, he, he might not have been looking exactly where the leaderboard was in the sense that that was the half point that uh, Europe needed to to win the cup. So maybe that goes part and parcel of it. So um, hard to say. Um, I think there's a few things with the Ryder Cup that's getting out of hand again. You know, the there, I mean, Patrick Cantley, the no hat thing, and the Europeans making a big stink out of everything. And then the Americans coming at it and McElroy going at it with uh, the caddy. Uh, you know, everything, it just emotions get hot and it just I'd rather not see it exactly I guess on the golf course but that's the way she goes Ah, another great show in the books Duke uh, I want to thank Laurie Munzer for coming on every Monday she's got a little bit of a break now we are uh, off next Monday and Lori Ann's heading over to Europe for a few weeks so we wish her a great trip Randy Ambrosi, CFL Commissioner for our Pigskin Report uh, joined us at 720 to talk a little bit about George Reed and the state of the CFL Mark Spector on the mark at 8 o'clock our daily contributor for Booster Juice uh, Spec uh, will join us once again tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Hey, we elevated our game with Ram Lifts talking about. You know, where we are. How do we get to where we are uh, with Lorianne Munzer? Great to have Shane Peacock uh, from Enoch Cree Nation, our headliner of the day for Mr. Reuter uh, from Enoch Cree Nation, Shane Peacock. Curtis Pachelka from the Bay Area News, Dan Hayes from The Athletic, and Roddy Rock and Roddy Peterson Normie uh, from the Rod Peterson Show in FLA. Coming up, it is the Fantasy Frenzy Show with.
3: Former Rosh T T-Bird.
0: Connor Alley, that's coming up 11 to 12. Low down with low tide from 12 to 2. And then Jason Greger takes us home 2 o'clock to 6 o'clock. And, hey, we've got programming all night, baby, right here on 1440. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Bryn Griffiths is going to be a special co-host with us in for Grant Fuhr, who's still traveling. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, We'll see you back here tomorrow at 7 o'clock. First up, a sports update with the Duke.